All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, this is Peggy's Recovery Corner. I have my dear friend Daria here today. This is actually the first episode that we started in 2022. Ooh, and, I feel special. No, you are special. Starting it off. Who better to have on the show than you? Um, so this is a recovery podcast. We talk about things all recovery and for lack thereof, depending on who you are and how you roll. Um, but today I wanted to have Daria come out and um, – and just tell, you know, usually we delve deep into your past, see like where you were born, raised. You can or, delve a little. And then, well, uh, let me. You can do whatever you want. All right, cool. All right. You're an open book. Go. Yeah, I'm an open book. All right. No so, rules. So let me take this off because it's hot. It is hot. For some reason. Anyway, so tell me, uh, Daria, like where were you born? Where were you raised? I was born in San Clemente, raised in San Clemente. And you still live in San Clemente? I still live in San Clemente. San Clemente, California. I am a San Clemente girl. You're like a straight a California native. California native, San Clemente girl. Okay. Though I did wander around gypsy style when I was in my addiction. Okay. So <laughs> born and raised in San Clemente, like what was it like growing up in San Clemente when you were younger? Freaking awesome. I mean, it was very small mm -hmm. because I'm 52. Mm -hmm. So just turned. Yeah. And so uh it was 70s. It was amazing. It was a it was just, it was amazing. Was it like a beach town? Total beach town. It wasn't all that big? Like, no, 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 not even. I mean, no, I remember we weren't even on the maps. And like when the news would come on, like weather and things, uh -huh. uh, they never even talked about San Clemente. And I remember the first time I saw San Clemente on the news, I'm like, Mom, San Clemente was on the news. It yeah. was like a big deal. So, no, we were tiny. We're finally, yeah. yeah. But, but that backfire because now it's you know i mean it still has the vibe mm -hmm. totally i don't think you'd ever be able to take that vibe away that right. small town vibe mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people right when you were like much younger was there siblings older brothers no. sisters anybody i was a, I'm an only child okay and i did gain three wonderful stepbrothers when i was about 27 28 okay um but just me. You were like a lone, lonesome child. Me and mom and dad. Well, I wasn't lonesome at all. I had Brad parents. Okay. You know, so um, they were always there. They were always there. They were teachers. They were amazing. So we had summers off, winter breaks, mm -hmm. and we just we traveled and went to the beach. I mean, I had a good childhood. You had okay, so you weren't lonesome. Good. No, I was not lonesome. So was what happened that you? I mean, got into drugs. And how old were you? Oh God. I think or I, alcohol. What well, start? Both my parents are gone now, Earth side, so mm -hmm. I can just, you know. Yes. Um, I used to steal my dad's pot. So <laughs> <laughs> dad grew pot, right, in the backyard. This was the 70s, so that's just what it was, mm -hmm. you know. And so when I was about 12, I would say, seventh grade, I think, yeah. I stole like a pound of pot from my dad. And that was my first thing. Wow. Um, and But just kept it <laughs> for mm -hmm. personal, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. We, My girlfriend and I hid it like in this hill that we used to hike around in and mess around in. And mm -hmm. we had a toilet paper pipe. Right, right. Total old school. You mean the toilet paper that has the uh, the, the air freshener thing? No, the just software? the toilet paper, the cardboard one. And okay. we cut a hole and put foil in it. Just okay. old school for you kids. Okay, like old school. Old school, old school. And so how, we... How old were you in this one? 12. 12, okay. So... That's usually the typical age. Yeah, and the pot was, you know, the pot back then, it was actually, I hate to say it, but it was fun. Like, yeah. you didn't go into a freaking coma. Some people like that. I, you know... Yes. It was different. You laughed and, you well, know, ate Doritos and shit. It was homegrown. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, started smoking pot at about 12. Drinking. First time I drank was when I was in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. Cocaine. First time was about for a freshman... And then the first time I did meth was I was 16. Okay. But I didn't get like super hooked on it yet. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was, my parents still, I'm not going to say they had a hold on me, but they were solid. Mm -hmm. I mean, mom was an alcoholic. There was shit going on, obviously, but okay. still never questioned being loved. I never, I don't have that. I don't have that. I never thought my parents loved me. Mm -hmm. um, I feel really blessed to know that my parents lived for me. Right. You know? So when you said you tried cocaine for the first time, at, how old were you? 14. And why, why? Like somebody just happened to have it? Yeah, I hung out with the older kids. It was, you know, it was the 80s. And okay. uh, yeah, somebody, I think I was at a girl's house that lived up on the hill. I can remember it. And one of the older guys said, hey, try this. Mm -hmm. And I did. Right. And it was cool. I mean, it 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 didn't really, you know, rock me like math did. Like right. I can remember the first time I did math. I can remember like every freaking moment of it. And when I did a line of math, mm -hmm. Everything changed. like it was like ding 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 ding. You're a freaking addict, you right. know. Oops, right. am I allowed to cuss? You can cuss like okay, you. good. Okay, yeah. so you're a total drug addict. Mm -hmm. Here it is. This is what you've been waiting for your whole life. That's what it felt like. So when it came to doing the meth, you were 16 at that point, 
And obviously, I mean, we're about the same age. And, yeah. I, and you're kind of telling my story because it started with Coke. I mean, it started with yeah. weed and alcohol. Then it became other things like the hallucinogens, but definitely yeah. the Coke and then the well, meth. We're kind of from the same hood, too, we are right? The same we area. do have yes. some mutuals. Well, lots we, we, of have, mutuals. we have lots of mutual friends. Yes. We probably sat in the same room and, and used drugs. Pass the pipe. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yes, for sure. But I remember like being 17, 18 years old, somebody. I was already into Coke, but someone had me try meth, and I was like, ooh, that's a little too strong. Oh, I was all in. Dude. You were all in. And I know during that time, like, I had some other people yeah. around me that were all in. Yeah. I was not that interested at first. I became more interested, like, at 19. Yeah. Well, no. And it was I different. Right. It was, it was different right. meth back then. Oh, yeah. Like, I did my first line of lemon drop. And yeah. so, and I remember I was ditching school that day. I was in continuation school mm -hmm. already, so I was already a shithead. Yes. Um, shitheads starting young. And so... I remember I detailed my whole car, you know, just a whole different level of a whole, it was a whole different level. I was like, Holy, you know, yes. but you're right. Like I kind of went back and would do cocaine with my friends on the weekends and drinking. Right. The meth people weren't really the ones I wanted to hang around with. Right. I still had a little bit of snobby synchromini in me mm -hmm. kind of sketching out on the darkness. Right. Yes. Um, it was a trip. Like right. the people that were doing meth were playing pinball at seven 11 all night long. And, right. and, it was a little sketchy mm -hmm. back then, mm -hmm. but I remember the lemon drop and I remember the peanut pink, butter. pink, the pink stuff and yeah. the peanut butter. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Peanut. I always got whole body chill. The shit was jet fuel. It was jet fuel. You yeah. did this much and you were up for weeks. For, it seemed like for a long, for a long time. Definitely for weeks. I mean, and yes. sometimes you would be in autopilot mode, yeah. but, but definitely like just shadows around and the whole nine yards. Right, oh right, yeah. Right. Voice. I thought I hit a coyote one time when I was about 18. What did you hit? Nothing. Oh my god! <laughs> I had fucking nothing. All right, right. So I mean, you, you're yeah. snorting it because we didn't really smoke shit back then. Right. I was snorting it a yeah. lot of it. I remember like people would put your name and you know and all the limit. I mean, I was right. I was all in at about eighteen, nineteen. My best friend started seeing somebody that actually like did it all the time, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Ooh, yuck! I don't want to hang out with them." And all of a sudden, I lived there practically. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like it just—it's like the devil's den. It, I've called it the devil's dandruff. It is the devil. It's it's, but it's even more. You know? I, I, I would exactly like the more I listen to you, I'm like, this is what happened to me. Like I had yeah. a friend who was in a relationship with somebody. They were doing it, yeah. and there just came a time where this guy was like my blood brother from a from young like yeah 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 same. Our youth. My best friend. And we're still best friends. And suddenly when I saw him, I was like, he looks like the fucking devil's just overtaken yeah. him, like demonic, demonic. straight demonic. Like yeah. he looked in his eyes, and he's like. This isn't my friend. Like yeah. this isn't who I grew she up. She wasn't with. that. She was. We, I mean, we did it, but she actually stopped when she got pregnant. She got pregnant when she was twenty, mm -hmm. and she stopped. Right. But you didn't. But didn't you? Did you go to? You did get sober like at a young age. I got sober at a young age. I went hard. Um, like at twenty three, my ex boyfriend overdosed on heroin on purpose. So I heroin was that, around back. Then. It was around, but not not like I it had is. never even seen it. Right, right. At this time, so mm -hmm. I just found the body. You know, mm -hmm. um, I didn't know. I knew it was a thing, but it was very 60s, 70s, right? Yes. At this time, cocaine was. You know, it was the up and coming the, uh, thing. Coke was. Yeah, yeah, it was the thing, and so. Um, I think I was 25. I was doing, I was spending time hanging out with the scary people. I mean, they're not scary to me or right. right now, you know, but some pretty powerful people that I probably had no business being around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This white girl from San Clemente. Right? Were you in the punk scene at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I kind of, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> we had so much fun before it got to the point where I couldn't leave the house. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we would go to all the shows and everything. It was so much fun. Mm. Um, but I don't know what switched. It could have been after John died at 23. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was already using and my life was out of control. I had lost my job. I remember I lost my job at Surfing Magazine. Right. And my friend Rudy. What did you do for them? I was the secretary person. Nice. Uh, what is it? Receptionist. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, for a long time. And then I, I lost my job. And I remember a guy from San Juan, we were sitting at a friend's and he said, that's when it all starts. You're losing, you know, he said something like, it's over now. You got to get your shit together. And I was like, eh, nah, nah, you know, mid twenties, mid twenties or young to mid twenties. Yeah. And, uh, he was right. I should have, and I, you know, all the shut ups. I was like, he was absolutely right. Right. He was absolutely, I lost it after that. And, um, I guess at the end of my 24th year, 
I miss my parents. Like, so it always, it always went back to my parents, Mm. that love that they had for me. I mean, you're going to miss that love when you're out there running around on the streets. Right. Were you homeless or did you have a place? By that time I was homeless. In San Clemente? No. Um, San Juan, Dana Point, San Clemente. South County. South South County County. homeless. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, uh, hotels and. Motels. Hotels, motels, holiday inns. (laughs) And so I went to my dad and I said, I can't do this anymore. Right. You know, I want, I want to come home. So I detoxed in their garage. Their garage was like, kind of like a room my whole life. It was, but my dad put a bed in there for me and mm-hmm. I detoxed. I slept for like a week and had. Well, why in their garage? They didn't want He didn't you want me in the, house. in the house. And my grandmother at the time was in my bedroom. So, you know, he, I wasn't even allowed on property at like when it got like okay, but he was sparing you like just to come he thought okay i'm gonna give it this chance and you it was just a meth detox it was meth some pills you know but mostly meth and alcohol Mm -hmm. um so i was i had these nightmares the whole time i was sleeping my dad's van was in the garage and i had a a a dream like it felt like it was constant that the devil was in the van and because the door was open like this much Mm -hmm. and he wanted me to come back and i was like fighting this demon or devil that was my detox it was just it was fighting evil do you think it was um psychosis like drug induced or was it just paranoia i handled it pretty well i mean granted i did some bad shit you know what i mean i was not people's favorite person but i don't know what it was because i never really was paranoid i didn't care I, i that's the problem that was i mean there's a lot of problems with meth but with me like it just supercharged me and i was out yeah. of control, you know. Uh, you know, it's it's a trick. Well, I'll, I'll get more into like how I relate to you in this. I I, I was never paranoid. No. I truly would. I had friends that talked to the walls and used stuff. And I was and like, shit. dude, check, get out! You're ruining my hunt. Right, right. But it wasn't happening to me. We were doing the same amount. Same. But that was more like with down the line. It wasn't yeah. with the, the the old school crank. Like that's not that's what true. yeah what it was. It was happening with like the ice and the glass and the things yeah. that came years later. So you did you after detoxing in their couch? Did you just get sober? Yeah. For how long? 11 years. You had 11 years of sobriety after that. Well, I had 11 years of abstinence. So th- does that mean that? I didn't work a program. You didn't even, no. were you even turned on to any kind of 12 no. step world? You didn't go to treatment, obviously. No, I went, um, my dad said, okay, detox here. He said, do you want to go to charter hospital? Because back then that's I remember was, charter. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to go to charter? Do you want to go, go stay with uncle Gordon up in the mountains? And my uncle Gordon lives in Oregon mm-hmm. off the grid, like, off the grid, off the grid. Right. Well water generator, or actually he didn't even have a well at that time. He just had like, I don't, I can't remember, but we had to go get water out of this thing. So, right. Well water generator and a wood burning stove mm-hmm. in the middle of winter in Oregon. So that's what I did. He came and picked me up and I went up to uncle Gordon's hmm. and stayed there for three months in the freaking wild, you right. know, with my a rifle and some pit bulls and, and and then I, and that was it. I mean, I came home and I stayed dry on pride and ego and still completely toxic. You know, I did life like a full on addict, but I was not using not drugs. Using drugs. Yeah. Did you, had you made like this decision within yourself that yeah. I just don't want to use drugs? Yeah, I was done. I was over it. I was. Well, so then the pride and ego, what, what, tell well, me about because that. I never surrendered to the fact that I was powerless because it was my power keeping me clean. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Granted. I mean, I, my life became better right. on the outside, but inside I still had anxiety that would knock me down, panic attacks that were killing me, mm-hmm. gave myself an irregular heartbeat. I was selfish. Mm-hmm. I was a fucking bitch, really, still. Not to everyone, but, and people will probably say, oh, no, you weren't, but yeah, I was. I was mm-hmm. selfish, self centered, all of the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got married when I was. 31 divorced when I was 32 Mm -hmm. right kids no kids Mm -hmm. um and then my mom my mom was an alcoholic like I said my parents had split up and she had just gone downhill she had her condo down in San Clemente and um the drinking was always an issue it was always an issue it never I never thought she didn't love me she was she kept her shit together most of the time until the end but finally when I was 33 she decided she wanted to die Hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so she did. She drank herself to death on purpose. And um, was it alcohol poisoning? It was alcohol till her organs shut down. Oh my god! And it was she was at her house, and 
I remember the doctor came. I was there. I'm the only child. So, mm-hmm. right. So I said, please, can we just get labs done? Can we see? I was always just begging her to be sober, begging. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to, you know, don't you want to meet your grandchildren one day? All of the things, all of the, you know, the wheeling, the dealing, the trying, the, yeah. all that I did. Um, and nothing worked. Nothing worked. Do and you- of course, I know that now. Do you think that she was drinking because it's a personal traumas? I think she had, I think she had mental health issues Mm -hmm. and this was back before, you know, there was lights on the subject. Sure. Or Um, names that were attached. Right. So in hindsight, she had, I mean, now I know like in hindsight, she had major depression. She was possibly bipolar, um, bipolar depression, you know? Um, Yeah. There was some issues, but I mean, I don't know. She just drank a lot, but it ran deep in that family. Everybody was an alcoholic except for my grandmother on my mm-hmm. Irish side. That's my Irish side, right? right? Um, there was depression and tons of trauma and there was, you know, sexual abuse and like all that stuff sure. on that side. Um, not necessarily with my mom. Mm-hmm. She had the guilt of my aunt and she didn't protect my aunt when she was four, you know? So my mm-hmm. mom had this guilt that she didn't protect my aunt when she was like four or five years old. Like right. that unrealistic guilt that we hold on to, right. Until we have a chance or opportunity to work through that stuff. She never got that chance, nor did she want to, she just wanted her vodka and everybody to fuck off. So, wow. Yeah. So I took care of her during that time. I, I got her a hospital bed. Um, it sounds crazy, but like, our family doctor came and said, okay, here's your blood test results. If you stop drinking today, you have a 99% chance of a 99% recovery. You're, you're going to recover, right? She said, well, pour me a drink and I'll think about it. I just, and that. That's alcoholism. Hardcore. Like, that's its finest. Like she's, she definitely has a ribbon for that shit. Mm-hmm. It was hardcore alcoholism. And yeah. so the doctor, we had a little talk. He said, you can either fight it. And watch her die and have it be, you know, just this ugly experience, or you can just stop and mm. surrender. She's gonna kill herself anyway. It was heavy. You're 33 at yeah. the time. And did that just get your wheels spinning? Like were you not yet? It didn't no. it didn't no because crisis crisis is my sweet spot. And it always has been, right? Crisis, at, at times when crisis happens, it's my sweet spot. It's after the crisis where I always fall out, oh. if I fall out. Okay. And I've fallen out majority of my life, you know, after big things like this. Uh-huh. So she ended up, obviously, she died. Um, I was with her every step of the way. She, I got her a hospital bed in her bedroom, and I slept on the couch cushion next to her. And I took care of her. Um, hospice came because her organs were shutting down and uh, hospice was, they came once and taught me how to do everything. And I just fucking handled it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then she died. And at 33 with absolutely no idea of anything, you know, no concept. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. There's a God. Like, I mean, I just had no, I had no program. I had no fellowship. All my friends thought I was so strong. I was too prideful to reach out for help and Mm -hmm. didn't even know how to do it anyway, because I was just tough, right. you know, um, got into a relationship with this dude. He was a lead singer of a punk band and it was just like, Oh yeah, here I am again, you know, going to shows and doing the things. And he ended up being a motherfucker mm-hmm. and beating the shit out of me. And I was so depressed because I mean, I'm strong, you know, I, I mean, people are like, wait, you getting beat up. I'm like, it can happen to anyone. Right. You know? Hello. So I get stuck in this shit. And I stay because I have no idea why. Um, People ask me all the time. I don't know. I just did. And within about a year, I was high again. He was high. He was using. I pretty much knew he was, but I completely didn't look at it until my mom died. Once my mom died, it opened up a lot of stuff for me. I only focused on my mom for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, here it was. And I walked. One day, he beat me up super bad. I had, I think he hit me with, you know, I mean, this chain candle, you know, this big thick chain he yeah. did, and he whacked me across the face with it and it split my lip like that. I still have a scar. You can see it right here. Mm-hmm. And so we super glued it. Sort of fucking. Oh we super glued it shut and I couldn't leave the house for a super long time. And um, I was walking through the garage and I looked and there was a pipe of dope mm. and I didn't even think about it. 
Picked it up, smoked it. And no it was, spiritual or mental defense against the first one. Just did it. Did it, dude. I was like, oh my God. All your, and now, my this was pain, different than the, the drugs you were doing before, though, right? Way different. It was the glass. It was that glass. Was you was. hadn't done glass yet. No. Ever. I think I had tried glass like, like once. Like when it first came when out. When it first came out, I tried it once and then I got clean. So mm -hmm. it was like, I didn't. So it was, yeah, it was way different. And I picked it up, smoked it, and all my pain went away. Mm -hmm. Obviously. I mean, I, me and Matt, right? Right. We're like this. So, um, and that, and I was, hit the ground running off to the races off to the freaking races and i think perhaps it was probably around those times that i may have been in the same area right. as you because we when we first met in recovery you told me some names and i was like oh i know them oh yeah i know them 100 percent. like i know them really well really well and we were in san clemente so we were probably at your house right <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, we were for sure. I mean, I'm I'm almost certain of it. Uh, for sure. And so, um, I had inherited some stuff from my mother, and I burned through that. Right. The only thing I did that was smart was sign the condo over to my dad because I started just, and so I signed the house over to my dad. Yeah. And spent everything, and then before I knew it, I was you know I was homeless. I when they say that you start where you left off, that's not bullshit. Right. Right. I started and it was on and um, my addiction led me to some heavy duty places like most of us, you know, definitely homeless, definitely in Garden Grove, you know, sleep in Santa Ana and Delhi, sleeping in this broken down car in front of one of my connects house. Mm -hmm. You know, I go out and then and bathing in the Chevron gas station that was around the corner in Santa Ana and really, you know, takes took me far away from San Clemente. Right. right. And so um, and I was fine. I remember one time. I was laying in this car I, and doing some stuff that was illegal, white collar stuff. So yeah. I got arrested for that after a while. Was tweaker my, shit? But next level, okay. like ne like next level tweaker shit. Yeah. I got I got hooked up with some pretty good people in that arena and, it, you know, lived in a mansion and all this shit. Sure. It, it was like a full white collar factory. Uh -huh, you know? uh -huh. um, but it started as tweaker shit, ended up driving an AMG and doing the deal high as hell i mean it was fun i'm not gonna fucking lie right oh, i know the adventures right the adventures were all time yeah. you know but ultimately you end up jails institution or death that's right, right. so and, and i did and so um i remember i was out on actually i was on the run 31 felony warrants mm -hmm. sleeping in a broken down car in 31 santa, felony warrants yeah Holy sleeping in a broken shit. down car in santa Ana, and i was laying there well kind of sleeping and i was laying there one night and i thought is this your bottom? There's like a tarp over this broken down Honda in Santa Ana. Right. And I'm thinking, what is your bottom? And you I thought, thought that. I thought, is this it? I mean, can it get any worse than this? Tell me that's not your conscience talking. Oh, to for you. sure. But right. I said, fuck you to my conscience, of right? Course. Nope. You know, you're, you're going to go to the wheels fall off. And I did. And I went till I got busted. A year to the day of when my warrants went into effect, I got in trouble. And how old were you then? 40... Was I 40? 40? 40 years old. 40 that... years old, but 41 when I got sober. So I was 40 when all this was going on. So I was a 40-year-old woman, right? The fuck. And just out of control. Mm -hmm. And then I got busted. I went to jail. I got a year, did half because all, With all those charges and everything. Well, they had, a year? well I because what happened was 26 of them weren't mine, but I took them. <laughs> oh my god. And my, my co-defendant was an ex, and I took them and were they um, conspiracy charges? They were counterfeiting licenses, commercial burglary, grand theft. I understand that word. All those things. Yeah. All and I, you know, all the things that go along with it. It's it's uh it's still there, but granted, mm -hmm. it's expunged, but it still shows up. Sure. So I had taken all the charges for an ex. My ex that was in jail looking at a long time, and I ran. So, I mean, they could only pin two on me, literally, because the other ones were his and theirs, right? But and That's why you got the year. So that's why I got the year, because I, I ended up getting charged with five of them, mm -hmm. but the other ones, they couldn't, they, they weren't, it wasn't me. But, mm -hmm. he, but he had already, he had gone to Delancey Street which was the goal, right? To just get Delancey and, and not get 20 years in prison, and, right. you know? So, uh, you know, we kind of beat the system-ish, but not really. I mean, the right. system always kicks your ass. And mm -hmm. But jail saved my life. I mean, I remember saying Were my name- Were you sober when you stayed in jail? 
I was sober all yeah from the, the whole time. There's, I, when I got you drugs in there. Oh yeah. I mean, there's plenty. Plenty. There yeah. was. It was buried in the yard, and like everybody's like, Daria, there's da, da, da. I'm like, I don't yeah. want anything to fucking do with it. Okay, like, so you were you were over it. I had said when I'm get when they finally catch me, I'm done. Mm. I was so tired, but I had no clue what to do. None. I had no insurance, no parental support. My mom actually, you know, obviously he was gone. My dad was hardcore tough love. Um, Wait, he wasn't talking to you. Oh no. Okay. Uh. Uh-uh. He. I remember I called him the day before I got arrested. And I said, Daddy, it's your daughter, and he said, I don't have a daughter. And we hung up. It was that's saved my life. For ultimately, I understand right? it. Uh, so then I went to jail. And I think I have a lot in common with you. Yeah, yeah. My mom's watching right now. She she hears this and probably. Is, we love you, thinking, mom. Yeah, it's probably thinks, that's what I did. Yeah, and it saved me. You right. know, and then finally, about four months into my sentence, I, they said you have a visitor, and I'm thinking, who's going to visit me? And so I go, and it's my dad. Ooh. I was tripping. What were you at main jail in I was Santa Ana? At, at that time I was at the farm. They had they were I was I did twenty nine yeah, I did twenty nine days in isolation alone mm-hmm. at main jail. That was a whole other story. Isolation. It was fucking psycho. Yeah. It was either gonna save me or kill me, and I don't know which one ever. I mean, it, I had never knew what time it was. I only saw the sun when I went to court. It was so heavy. Yeah. Nobody with me. It was so mind changing and I and every and my dad would just like I could hear his voice saying okay breathe because he always told me to meditate always since I was little and so that's I kind of taught myself how to meditate Mm. doing yoga headstands everything just even though it was wrong I was still just trying to stay sane hardly did and so he came to see me at the farm and he said you know I was I was hosing off the dog shit today that's what this is (laughs) and I had an epiphany and I was like okay and he goes I realized that you don't know that you have a family that loves you. And he said, and you do. I am your family. Those people on the streets are not your family. You know, and I just want you to know that you, I'm here. Mm. It was, it, that was it. It, I mean, I was already not using and, and. You're staying sober and then you hear this. Man, that was very life changing. Your pops wasn't going to Al-Anon or anything. He was was just just an epiphany. Old school. Just an epiphany. And he said, I just need you to know that, you know. Plus, you had to deal with your mom for a long time, too, right? Yeah, married 37 years. And so. He stayed with that. And he stayed with that. I mean, my dad wasn't an angel either, right? He did some questionable things, but (laughs) he did. But living with an active alcoholic is so hardcore. Right. Um, it was so bad. And so, um, yeah, that he, and then he goes, okay, well, I got to go. I'm taking Judy to see Elton John in Vegas for a birthday. Oh Judy's his wife. And I was like, okay, but, <laughs> but like, like in a five minute visit, uh-huh. knowing that he's a total germaphobe, all those things, he got on that freaking bus and like went all the way up to visit me in jail right. to tell me that he loved me. Mm. <sighs> I'm going to start crying. <laughs> that, um, that was it. Yeah. So, okay. Then you got sober. And then I got sober. How long were you in there for? A year? I, I had a year, but I did six months. And then okay. I, and I got so you out. got out of good behavior. Where'd you go? I went to her guardian angel. It, she scholarship me. It was like a friend of a friend. What What's her guardian angel? It's gone now. But it was in Huntington Beach. Uh-huh. And this lady, this Tracy and Marcia owned it. And they, they, um. Was it sober living? It was, was it a treatment PHP, IOP. Oh, it was an outpatient. Yep. And With I lived, housing. They had housing, but you said there was you didn't have insurance, right? I had nothing. It was it was my friend Troy that I had grown up with. Mm-hmm. I only knew one sober person. He made a phone call. He dropped me off at the morning meeting at um, Cow Hall, mm-hmm. and made a phone call and just made sure I didn't leave there. And then when I in called called a friend that you know called me, I had roots, black roots down to here, and I was like Nancy Sponge and threw up. I was horrible looking. <laughs> I was just this mess. And he said, well, since you didn't leave, I'm going to, um, my friend's going to pick you up. So just chill. Mm-hmm. And this lady picked me up. Perfect woman, like in like the, like the juicy sweats. This is a long time ago. And juicy. She, you know what I mean? Oh, I remember. And I was those. like, to me, she was like, you know, I'm like, shit, I could rob you. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. But she saved my life. Mm-hmm. She, um, she took me in. She, I was supposed to go to residential, but with no insurance and fun, I had to do Lynn house. I was calling every day. Yeah. She let me sleep on her couch for a week and she had kids like 16 year old kid and a nine year old. And I mean, you were in your early forties too. So it's like, they, they, they realized like this woman is 
It's probably a, at the end of her road. Hopefully, she, yeah, she, they she, saw she, something in me that I definitely didn't know was there, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then a week later, we had a family meeting and she said, we, the kids and I spoke and we want you to say. Family meeting with your, her and her kids. Oh, with her kids. And so I lived with her. And granted, back then, um, it wasn't like a big deal. It was to me, they were saving my life. It would be frowned upon nowadays with everything going on in treatment. But at the time, she saved my life. Sure. It worked. Saved my freaking life. It worked. So you got plugged into the 12 step. Here, let's see what some people are saying. Here. Okay. Uh, Danielle says, DD. Love my dark head. <laughs> Isaac says, it can always get worse. Yeah. Um, I don't know what this person is. They're writing something in a different language. Uh -oh. Somebody else wrote off the grid in Oregon. And I guess. And Brooke says, Brookie, I love you. I love you. Okay. Um, so awesome. You are loved. You know that. I know. Well, the love is what gets me through my life, you know? That's what it's all about. So, okay. So then you stayed in that place for how long? I stayed there for about nine months. And uh, were you just going to meetings and that's it? I was going to PHP, doing IOP, going to meetings all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was, honestly, I had no idea how to do this thing. Like, you know, I was 41. I was set in my ways. I. Um, what do you mean by that? Oh, I was because I was. Were you a hardhead? Were you like I was an stubborn? I was. I just like they used to say, "Take your fucking convict hat off," right? Fuck you, you know. Yeah, I was a hardhead and a and like because of the people you ran with. Yeah, and survival. Kind of you, you like, like that. I was. I mean, I knew how to survive. Yeah. I didn't know how to stop and take a breath. Yeah. Everything was. Everything it was. It was really scary to have to try to trust someone. I remember because I remember in jail, I was like, I just want to be able to trust somebody. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. And I didn't know what that was like. I had no idea how to be vulnerable. I had zero idea. Zero. And um, during this time, was your dad and you in communication? We were in communication. When I first got out, uh, it took about, I think it was like three months in, he took me to JCPenney and he bought me a pair of Levi's, a pair of Converse, and a thermal underwear shirt. And some underwear and shit like that. That was it. And he didn't give me anything, you know. But he wanted to know, hey, okay, so you're, you're going to be warm. And I would take the bus from Huntington Beach down to San Clemente. He wouldn't come pick me up. I had to do, all, you know, we it's would go. It's a long bus ride. Yeah, but whatever. Anything to see him, you know. Because yeah, you um, wanted to see him. I wanted to see my dad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I would take the bus. He would pick me up at the bus station and uh, or bus stop, whatever. And then we'd go down to the boat because he has a boat or had a boat. Um now I have a boat, whatever. We'll get to that. Yes. Uh, and we just built our relationship back. We were always in sync. I mean, we look the same. We have the same. It was just like two power hitters, you know? Right. Um, and yeah, so he, and then his, obviously I think parents have fear that first beginning of their children's journey, right? In sobriety. Yeah. Yes. And they're fearful and they have anger and they'll spout some shit out and all those things. And I understood. I mean, I didn't even feel like I deserved a reprieve. Right. But so I just took it. And sometimes we'd have to separate a little bit. And sometimes we would and we would come back because I would have to work on me and, and my why I was reacting the way I was reacting. I mean it was no joke. It was not easy. Mm -hmm. Getting sober for me or getting Surrendering all, you know, the surrendering part was extremely difficult for me. I was, I worked on step three for months. Hmm. I understand. Yeah. I mean, step three was like, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. You know, mm -mm. how are you going to just turn it over to something? How do I turn it over to something? Probably never believed in. Yeah. What? Yeah. That was insane. And then, but the moment I did and I know, and I did it from my heart and I really, really did it. It was the moment I did my life changed. For That's me. the key to it all. If you're in that world, 12-step world, for sure. The moment I turned it over, yeah. my whole life opened up. Absolutely. Yeah. I have total chance again. <laughs> so, so after you were in that place for nine months, then where'd you go? Oh, you know, I um, I became homeless-ish again in sobriety. In recovery. Yeah. But I had my – and by that time, my dad bought me a little laptop, and I was going to school online. Mm -hmm. So I stayed with, like, a girlfriend's mom was out here while she fought her court case, and, and so I stayed with her in the hotel for a few months. I stayed I stayed wherever I could. and then If your dad had let you come back home, do you think you would have gotten high again? Probably. So he knew better. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I probably would have gotten high again or it, I definitely wouldn't be the woman that I am today. So you had to learn to survive on your own sober. and be sober and without, become, become your own woman. Yeah. Without breaking the principles, right? Right. Living within the principles. That's right. Yeah. And, and I was serious about it. I still am serious about it. It's no freaking joke. As to we me. should be. Yeah. Like this is it, man. Like, right. whew, it's like, it's, everything. So I was dead serious then. Mm. And it was, yeah, it was crazy. And then, and then my girlfriend, Jenny, who is like my, we call each other sisters. She said, just come stay with me. And I said, okay. So I slept on her couch and, uh, she had kids and, and, um, helped with the kids. And then I ended up getting my first job in treatment back to where I got sober. How long, where was that? That place? Guardian Angel. That's where you started working? Yeah. As that case, was your I'm first experience that with was my, working in treatment? Yeah. Well, but back, okay, I have this big life. Back in the 90s, I went to Saddleback, and I got human services, and I did all that. So sure. my first round, I did that, and I worked um, in alternative. Oh, sentencing. so when you were younger, you had already gone to counseling. I, yeah. School. Okay. Yeah. So I already I had that in my pocket, right? But everything had changed, like with KDAC and Katie, and like it was, sure. everything was growing, right? And um, so I went and I started doing groups and being able to help other people. A place that you got sober. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. And then. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then about a year after that, uh, Artemis, you know, my love of everything, Artemis Detox. Yeah. They came to me and said, hey, this, you know, we want you. That was the first detox that you worked in. Yeah. And this that was, was in Huntington Beach or Long Fountain Beach. Or Long Beach. Yeah. And uh, they said, we want you to work here. And I said, well, they said, we can start you. I think they started me at $15 an hour. And, and um, to do what? Support staff. So you worked on the front lines of treatment? Absolutely. For most of, you know, yeah. I mean, that was the first time in detox and I've never left detox level of care. So I'm a little bit fucked up, obviously, <laughs> if I work in detox straight, you know? I, mean, I love detox. It isn't for everybody. No, it's not. But I love... I love it. I love the front lines. I, I love, love it. I love it. It was I, my first, I, I was the case manager. That was what I, 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 I love building a treatment plan. Yeah. But I like starting from detox. Yeah. When they're raw. When they're raw, because yeah. I remember what it was like to be raw. So it's so vivid. I've never forgotten where I came from. And right. it was those people that weren't afraid of me. Yeah. That saved my life. Right. Because. And so I have, I don't fear my, any, you know, I mean, you get some crazy shit in detox. Sure. God bless it. I live for it. I live for it. I live for the fire and the crisis and I want to make it go away right. the best way possible. And so, yeah, so I went to detox and um, I was at Artemis and Apollo for five years and I was a support staff and I was oh, a counselor. Oh, the Apollo one was. Uh, it was our men's facility. Yeah. That was like in Fountain Valley. Or yes, that was in Fountain Valley. And yeah. so, and then I, so support counselor case manager program director mm -hmm. um all at apollo over a five-year span okay and then and after, then you went and moved around and worked in a couple of other places i went over to true life and i worked as director of admissions over there for two wasn't years wasn't there a place in south county too with johnny no that was true life in fountain valley oh that was also, true life and beach city and true. then okay. uh, and then over i guess over a year and a half ago i moved over to safe harbor okay and you're at safe harbor now i'm at safe harbor now and I know there's a major history of Safe Harbor. Like they've been around major. for a long time. Forever. I mean, I know Decades. the original owner. Right. Yeah. So now I'm there. And then, um, yeah, I mean, life is, life's, well, right now life is shitty. I lost my dad after, you know, 10 years of sobriety, mm -hmm. recovery, heavy, like, you know, my dad. You had um, rebuilt your relationship. I, we were, oh, totally. We were. You were good. My dad and I. Um, he wasn't just my dad. Like he was my person. Yeah. He was my soulmate. Yeah. You know, I think he was absolutely my soulmate. I mean, but we, beyond best friend. Beyond best friend, the only free time, like all of my free time, mm -hmm. was spent with my dad. Like mm -hmm. we rock and roll. We sailed together three times a week. We hung out together, laughed our asses off together. He's the only person. No offense to anyone, but he's the only person I never got sick of. We would just crack up. We dug each other, you know? Yeah. Uh, he was proud of me. I was honored to be his daughter. Still am. Um, and then surprisingly, suddenly, I lost my dad in October. Mm -hmm. October 21st, a couple months ago. 
Um, and I know it's been hard on you. It's brutal. It's brutal. But it's from when I lost my mom. It's a trip to be an old. It's a trip to lose both parents. It's right. it's it's next level. You know. Yeah. Next level. Um, when I lost my mom. I didn't have a program or a fellowship or I had wonderful friends that I love. They're still, you know what I mean? I had all of that, but I was the addict in the crew. Like I was the fucking loser. Like I was the one that was sick. Mm -hmm. Um, and I ended up getting high. So, and destroying everything. I mean, burning it to the ground and digging a hole and putting all of it underground. I mean, I burned it to the ground and ruined everything. And then, so I think unconsciously, I've been training for this as weird as it sounds. What do you mean? I mean, I knew that when I got sober and I know that when when I've been working my program, I know that one day I'm going to lose my dad. Right. right? I never expected it to be now. I thought I at least had 10 more years. Sure. Um, Did it happen like it was sudden? Totally. Like we were sailing. He hurt himself on the boat. Long story short, he was in the hospital for four or five days. I think and he was gone and it was just, I mean, sudden. Yeah. Crazy. Found out he had an underlying issue that he never told anybody about because he didn't want anyone to think he was sick. And so that's ultimately he was he had an, a health issue um, for about four years and mm. coming to find out that he probably only had a couple of years left. Mm. So but I found that out after. And that's good. I mean, I think for me, it was cool because I didn't want it like, are you OK? Do you, he doesn't want that. He'd be like, get the fuck out of here. You yeah. Yeah. So I think that I would always say, shit, man, when I lose my dad, I'm going to lose my mind. Mm. You know, like it's, it was a fear of mine. I don't like to live in fear, but it it was, it's been a definite concern for me knowing what happened after my mom died. Right. And then here it is. And here I am, you know, and it happened and it happened. And I'm, uh, I'm completely a different person than I was you know, when 18 years ago, obviously, Mm -hmm. but you, but I still have that bond. I have more of a bond with my dad because he stepped in and did mom and dad after I lost my mom. And so, um, my dad and I were like, he was my whole world. He, Mm -hmm. I mean, he, it's crazy. We would talk on the phone like five times a day. Our text messages were like, my dad counted one day. It was 96 text messages. I mean, (laughs) we were just obsessed with it we just thought i just thought he was the coolest and he thought i was the coolest and we just we were each other's world i love the way you love your dad yeah thank you i love it no truly yeah. like uh there's a lot of people that will say certain things or, or talk about their parents in a certain way to where i often think like why would you like talk about your parents like uh, that i yeah. mean it, they would have to be really horrible parents like abusive Physically and even then, right? Yeah. For you to be able, they're to still talk, your parents. They're still your parents. You always value your parents. Yeah. That's where you honor came from. You wouldn't you be honor. here. Yeah. You honor. You them. wouldn't be. You honor them. Absolutely. I have it. I have that tattooed on me. I have the fifth commandment tattooed. On I love me. it. Yeah. He, my dad, my parents were amazing. I mean, yeah. I'm so blessed, and I know that people say, "God, you're just so blessed you had even that." I'm like, yeah, but I still miss my fucking dad. You know. Yeah. Um, and this is no joke. Mm-hmm. Being sober, walking through this raw doing the deal, like feeling everything. Right. This is not for the weak. I mean, this is heavy duty. This is hand it to God every single second. Sometimes I have to hand it to God a hundred times a day. Absolutely. So, you know, um, but it's different. Uh, you this know, time. a good thing though, you stay sober through this. I'm staying sober. He got to have a, a sober daughter with all things considered. With I mean, all, all things that. considered, he had a sober daughter yeah. that I finished my college degrees. I did all the things that, it's funny. I t- finally, I was like, well, I'm just going to kind of do what my dad tells me to do mm-hmm. because I never have. So I'm going to try it. So nice. everything my dad like guided me to do, I did it and completed it. Right. Nice. So he was proud. I was, I, love it. I was the ultimate to him right. and he was the ultimate to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so walking through this now in recovery is it's bittersweet. I, I, we always go through it. I want to watch my words. I want to say it's beautiful in a sense because I have the program as my foundation right. and it's strong. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't back then. And I have a fellowship that, I mean, shit, even if I wanted to get high, you're probably coming, you know, I mean, and I don't, but I mean, I'm thinking like I have a fellowship no. that's 
I could, I mean, what did I ever do to deserve these humans that love me like this? And I, and I am loved and I know I'm loved. Um, you know, I, I can't, I mean, I can't imagine what you're going through. I think about it all the time, especially as we get older in our fifties oh, yeah. now to think about like it happens. And then when I see like you or somebody else that loses their parents, um, let's say on Facebook, for example, like you talk about how much you miss. I don't know what the fuck to say. Nothing. There's like, nothing to fucking say. I, I don't have the words to <laughs> yeah. say because I haven't experienced it. Right. And I, and I put myself in your shoes and like when, if and when it happens to me, I don't even know how I'll react to what people say. Yes, there's a typical, I give you my condolences. You're in my thoughts. You're in my prayers. They're in a better place. They're in a better place. Right. <laughs> like, you know, sorry, but right. But, but I, I often wonder, like, how does she process it? Because eventually if that happens to me, maybe one day I'll call Daria and say, you how did you process that? Yeah. You but know? see, and, think that, and that's what makes it worth something. Yeah. Because that, you know, that's, yeah. that's like, I, get, I sit and cry on the freaking, I don't care. Yeah, anyway, but. You have to turn your darkness to light. Right. Like this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. Yeah. Um, and if I can't sit here and talk to you about it and maybe, maybe help one person out there, mm. maybe to stay sober and to fight and to do this thing. Right. Then it's not worth shit. No, it's not. So it's if, not. so I have to sit here and, and I have to make it worth something. I have to balance the scale. Mm. That's the same with the domestic violence. That's the same with my addiction. Mm-hmm. I, if that's just how I feel. Like if I don't balance the scale every single day and make it heavier on and with light, right. then what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, what am I doing? I, I mean, I don't know. So yeah, it's painful. And sometimes I don't want to get out of bed. And so, right. so sometimes I fucking don't, I honor myself. I allow myself. I don't care what people think or what they I haven't for years, but yeah, don't, you don't take, you I don't li- strike me as the type that really cares. I don't, I yeah. have to honor myself because I have to stay strong, stay sober and mm. honor him. Mm. You know, I love it. Grief is heavy. Yeah. Um, it's a trip and everybody does it different. So sure. I don't, those five steps of blah, blah, whatever, whatever. I, you know, it's, I don't know about any of that. Yeah. Um, but I know that it hurts like hell. And I know that it would hurt a lot worse if I got high. For sure. Most definitely. You know. And uh, this is another thing. I remember when I first got sober, I put on my fears list, like certain things that uh, if I lost my mom, would That's I be able biggest... to stay sober? Right? Oh, yeah. But I think to myself, like, would my mom, even if she passed away and I and I go and get high, is that what she wanted me no. to do? No, she wouldn't want me to do that. Mm-mm. She wanted a sober son. And that's what she got. So you have to, like, for me, like, like the sailboat, right? So the sailboat's mine now that my dad. Yes. So I, I sail, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody, you know what I mean? Like, so that's what I do. And so how I would never dishonor my father. Mm-hmm. And I would never dishonor myself. I actually like me today. Like, I kind of love me. Uh, you should. You know? You're and lovable. Yeah, thank you. I but mean, like, I mean, I'm you're like, like, Well, I mean, I'm like, wow. Like, I, I don't want to destroy myself. Good. And I won't. You, you shouldn't. No. I wouldn't expect you to. Yeah. The yeah. craziest thing is my dad died when I was 10 years sober. My mom died when I had 11 years dry. So it's all in the same thing. It, it's a true, it's a true testament to the program. Mm-hmm. That's all I am. All I am is an example of what life is. If you work the goddamn steps. That's right. Absolutely. That's work them. You right continue to work them. You live within the principles. You do your thing. You always stay within that safety net and you're going to be okay. Right? You just said it all. That's it. I live for, for moments like this to hear this. Yeah. You know, you're going to be okay. I don't know where you got sober and I don't know who you got sober around, but when I hear that type of language, that's the music to my ears. Yeah. That's recovery at its finest. That's all there is. Mm. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, like, that's all there is. So I feel, um, yeah, it, it sometimes it's, heavy and it's sad and I feel like I mean I'm not superwoman you know like I sometimes at night I wail crying and I feel and I do every second feel like the roots of me have been completely torn up without my parents here Mm. right I do feel that way but that doesn't mean I get to go get loaded nor do I even want to get loaded good but it's just um it's hardcore <laughs> and I feel out loud. And so I do, when I feel something, I want to put it out there. Like mm-hmm. I have to put it out there. So anyone else maybe can not for anything, but it's okay. You guys can 
you can hurt like this and still stay sober, right? Like sometimes I just bleh, on Facebook or on Instagram, um, I talk into my phone, like, because those are my thoughts and I don't like to be around people a lot, but I do like to be in connected to people. So here I am still sober, right? Good. Still working this thing. I think this is really good and it'll help a lot of people today. I hope. If anybody sees this, I mean, it, it is in various places people can look it up and if they're grieving or going through it they're not alone no not even it's heavy duty there's a couple of people that said something here oh i don't know if you know randy rc underwood she earned her seat great story do you know her right on thank you Please. yeah i know casey yeah and then um there's no right way to go through it they're just going through it obviously with substance without substances is better and i commend him for saying that He's a dear friend of mine. He's got a lot of years sober right now, but he lost his mom to, I think it was pancreatic cancer. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. Like three months in. And he stayed sober. Fuck, that's amazing. And he stayed sober, so it's amazing. Good for you. Um, and that's then, incredible. Yeah, Lou, Lou says, I've lost my father, and that's one thing I will never get over. Yeah. And learned everything you said is so true. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. How, how good it is to see you here today and have you here today. Thanks for having me. I yeah, you. I feel really blessed. I love you too. Yeah. You so know, you're my friend, like my, friend my real life friend. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I feel, I feel, I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I feel good. I'm honoring myself, obviously, by being here. I have to, like, I have to start turning, making something, you know? Mm -hmm. And if, I, I mean, I'm always here for people. You know what I mean? Like. I'll close it out with this. I wanted to ask you this question. Obviously, there's a lot of our friends in recovery, too, that have lost their parents more yeah. recently that you probably know. Do they reach out and you guys kind of like... Able yeah, let's go. We're in a club. I mean, it's a shitty club to be in. Yeah. You know what I mean? You process together. But you can process together because ultimately no one does understand. Right. You know? like You don't understand until it happens to you. You don't understand. Yeah. And when it's the double, then it's the both parent. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's not like, it's just so intense to feel like an orphan. And mm -hmm. that's what I kind of feel like, mm -hmm. right? I have a beautiful stepmother that I love so much. Right. I do. She's incredible. She's magic, man. You know, she's not mom or dad. She's not mom or dad, no. but there is no mom or dad. And, right. I, and being an only child, my stepbrothers are my stepbrothers and they're my brothers, but they're not my, you know what I mean? Like right. there's just something that I never even, that's the one thing, feeling completely by myself. Mm. That is, um, I'm okay with it. I guess growing up as an only child, you're kind of trained for it, but right. it can be, it's sometimes it's heavy duty, mm. you know? There was other things that I went through, like I, it, like, you know, my ex and I broke up after 10 years and we had, he had daughters and they were my stepdaughters. This, sure. That was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. That's Lost a different grieving. All of them. It's a different grieving. Different grieving process. This shit's. Whew, yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's okay. I'm, I feel my dad with me all the time. He's not really gone. No. Yeah. Especially probably on the boat. On the boat. It's, <laughs> I can like feel him. Like it's pretty incredible. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's nice. pretty incredible. It sucks, but it's incredible. You know, I just got to keep looking for God and everything. That's all. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. I love you, you guys all, too. Everybody that was part of this today. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And I'll talk to you soon.